This message was brought to you by Christian Service. the greatest underground podcast that most people are not listen to. Yet, we will dig it up, and the people will see it, and they'll be like, wow, amazing. I am your host, Greg the Scots, and I have with me today an incredible group, individuals, co-hosts. They will be helping me to dissect this fancy file. So, to my left and your left, we have the greatest looking individual on the podcast, his name is Marvelous Mick. Mick, how are you today? I am marvelous. Are you swell? Very. Are you well? Yes. Good. There was a delay there, but I wanted to make sure. You weren't sure what I was saying. No, I did a quick scan. You didn't know where I was going with this. Uh, yes. Good. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you, too. It's too bad that no one else who's listening can see you. That's fair. But Should we post too bad that I'm not hanging out with all the other people that are listening. <laughs> Should we post either. another photo of him online? Uh, send $20. And then you'll get an autograph you'll, photo. Well, maybe 25 for the autograph. Uh, <laughs> you can get a picture. Yeah, that's fair. I guess that's starting to look a bit weird. But you know what? Look, this ministry won't fund itself. That's fair. <laughs> so <laughs> if, it's, if it lives off of pictures of Mick... Uh, <laughs> so, so be, be it. it. Mick, you got some good news that you should share with the audience. And what good news is that? I have a second book on the way. No, no, no. <laughs> Talk about the first one. Stop talking about the second book. we got to build up the first book. Oh, yeah. The greatest book I have ever written. Also the only <laughs> book you've ever written. It's the only book I've completed. Mm. That's fair. Yeah, currently. And so Not at Home is officially out. It's been out for a few weeks, a few episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's wonderful. It's a book that I've written used, using my words. It's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. <laughs> love was the labor. And the fruit? Fair. Yeah. No, people enjoy it. People all around the... Well, not around. All around the flat, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. No, uh, all throughout uh, North America. It's been enjoyed so far. We have a lot of fans in Belgium, so y'all should really get in on that book action. It's so in you, French, too. Everyone where they can find it. Yeah, so it's on Amazon.ca, Amazon.com, Amazon.whatever-it-is-in-Australia, Amazon.uk, dot, all the dots, you can find it. Yep. But don't go on .ca if you're not in Canada, because you won't be able to buy it. It's also on Kindle mm-hmm. for a lot cheaper. But then it doesn't smell like paper, so that's not as cool. Just for our listening audience, the link in the description is the Canadian Amazon link. But if you go on any Amazon website from whatever your country is and search up Not at Home, you will find it on your uh, international Amazon website. Just don't use our link if you're not in Canada, because that caused a problem for one of our fans. And we want to make sure you don't have the same mistake. Right. Now you heard his voice. That's Rexy, the Ezrasaurus Rex. How are you, Ezrasaurus? Truckosaurus! I'm doing great. I got a new charcoal grill, and I'm loving it. 
It's so much fun to use, and I am so glad that I got it. The Grillmaster. Swell. And we also have uh, Melanie with us. She is the token white girl of the group. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Is she white, though? Uh, yeah. Yes. Does Portuguese count as white? I don't know. What do you mean, does it count as white? I think I'm considered white brown. White people are from Europe, European descent. I think I'm brown. Sure. Medium <laughs> okay. rare. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So we have a very exciting podcast, but before we dive into that, there's a few things I would like you, the listening audience, to do. Number one, if you haven't already, please go on Facebook and like and subscribe and follow a few things. One, the Christian Service Facebook page. Christian Service is the ministry that runs the Fancy File podcast. Mick, what is the Christian Service ministry? Well, Christian Service is split into two categories. You've got Christian Service Ministry and Christian Service Fellowship. Tell them about the ministry. Well, the ministry has a, a podcast and a house church. No. Tell them about what the Christian Service Ministry does. Just, oh, okay. You could just tell me what you want me to say, and I'll say <laughs> I it. I don't know. Anyways, I am telling you. So, uh, Christian Service is a ministry that is dead set on equipping saints to better share the gospel and to walk the narrow path. And so whether it be through media like the podcast or the book, Bible studies, even music, we're just really focused on sharing the gospel and making sure that you can share the gospel as well. So like and subscribe on Christian Service. Also like and subscribe on the Fancy File Facebook podcast page. And I'd like to tell you that we post a lot, but we don't yet. <laughs> that might change potentially. We'll see. Uh, but at least there is a potential place for the listening audience to reach out to us. So if you have any questions or comments that you would like to have answered, please feel free to message us, whether it's through the Christian Service Facebook page or through the uh, Fancy File Facebook page. So it, anything you just want to shout out to say hello, that you're listening, or if there's questions that you have, maybe Bible questions, you're curious about something, or if we misspoke on something or you disagree about something or you're not sure about something, please feel free to write us in. Maybe if we get a, enough messages from the listening audience, we may have a podcast dedicated entirely to answering those questions. So just in case you weren't clear, questions, comments, insults. No insults. <laughs> oh, that's right. There is no uh, complaint department at Christian Service. <laughs> well, there is, but... They don't listen. No one runs it. No one runs it. <laughs> but anyway, so you can, again, Facebook and Instagram both will answer your questions. Mick, where can we listen to the podcast? Everywhere. like Specifically. It's specifically, Spotify, Google, Apple, YouTube. YouTube, yes. Like us on YouTube. It's on streaming services that I don't know exist. Excellent stuff. That's how efficient I was at sharing this thing. Very efficient. Just It's everywhere. Put it out there. Yeah. You felt good about doing that? That feels pretty good. Good. I haven't reached anyone in like any of the polls yet, so um, we'll we'll find out soon. Excellent. Okay, so what we're going to do today is continue our the fancy file on the Book of Revelation, specifically Chapter Two. We have, if you are just joining us for the first time, we are we started a series where we wanted to look at the letters to the seven churches of Revelation. This does not mean that we're going through every single chapter of Revelation. As much as I would love to do that on the Fancy Files, it's not going to happen. You never know down the road. We might do a special 
deep dive into it, but that is more in the pre-planning of the pre-production. So we're not even close to it. But if it happens, you will know. Uh, so Mick, I would actually like you to read of Revelation chapter 2, read verses 4, 5, and 6. All right, I'm reading from the ESV. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear. That the Spirit said what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Oh, thank you very much, Mick. How'd you feel about reading that? Uh, great. Good. I hope the listening audience felt great. Did you feel great? Yeah. yeah. Oh, am I the listening audience? Am I looking at you? I don't know. You well, I mean, know? I was like, yeah. <laughs> you were present as he was reading, and I was and you listening. Were listening. Okay, so that is Good. me. Okay, Melanie liked it. <laughs> So, as I said before, and as I said in previous podcasts, Jesus has messages for seven specific churches, and there's a lot of opinions on whether or not each church represents a church age, or it's it was only for those churches, or if it's for churches today. I do believe that the message that is given to the churches, that churches now can take lessons from it and that throughout all of church history, you're going to find churches dealing with these types of issues. Mm -hmm. Now, the things I really like is you have Jesus, well, one, in the vision of chapter one, you see him walking among the candlesticks and the candlesticks represent the churches. And I like how it uses the number seven because typically in the Bible, the number seven, unless it's meaning they're counting seven people, but usually if there's like a symbolism there, uh, it's, I think, for the number of perfection. Uh, So... You have that this is the perfect number, uh, the completeness, if you want to use that term. And he's walking in the midst of them. Jesus walks among the churches. He sees what's happening in the churches. And he has something to say about it. It is his church. He is the head of the church. Now, we're going to see he will speak to the churches on things he likes. He will commend them for good things. And he had some really good things to say about the church at Ephesus. Mm -hmm. And I think for most Christians reading the Bible, they would also think positive things about the church of Ephesus. But say things, he doesn't only good he also has condemnation there's things that displease him and then he will also give them warnings he will counsel them and there's promise part of that might surprise some people that jesus would say anything that would be considered negative but he will speak negative he's god and who else is going to correct us who else would have perfect vision Mm. if you want to use that term he can see everything he knows our thoughts. He knows we can be deceived on stuff, and he'll know. He'll be able to, to address it and point it out, stuff that we don't even see. And it's quite possible that the church at Ephesus was blind to this. Because, look, what have we read so far? Well, he sees how he sees their works. He sees their patience. He sees that they've not gone where, grown weary. They've not given up. Through persecution, they're still doing the work that God has given them to do. And that they're pointing out error in false apostles, calling them out, showing them to be liars. Hey, look, these aren't actual apostles that the Lord has raised up. And that truly pleased the Lord. God actually very much cares about doctrine. And to the pastors listening or church leaders, if you don't, you need to repent of that. Mm. You need to care about doctrine. 
to the individual Christian listening to this, if you don't care about doctrine, you need to repent of that. You That's need good. to care about doctrine. And I'll, I'll just imagine your first century church at Ephesus. You're sitting there and you have this letter. This is from Jesus. Okay. And you hear these words, all the good things. You're like, wow, Jesus is really happy with us. But then this verse comes up. Now, of course, as they're reading it, it's not like, okay, now verse four of chapter two. No, like the, the verses in that weren't added to it. But can you imagine you're hearing the words of Jesus and then nevertheless comes up? He goes, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. By the way, I'm reading from the King James Version, so I hope that everyone is okay with that. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Wow, can you imagine you're sitting there if it's a Sunday morning that they've met and they're hearing this message and you've left your first love? That's an incredibly sad statement to have mm. been said of a church. Mm -hmm. Because to be a Christian is to love Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like love the Lord your God. Like this even goes back into the Old Testament. Hear O Israel, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then and then they said later, the second second unto it, love your neighbors yourself. So that doesn't change for the Christian. It needs to be more emphasized to love God. That we should be known of our love of God. Mm. Okay. But then the church is told, no, you've left your first love. We as Christians need to have a love that is worthy of Jesus Christ. Mm. A love that is passionate. Do you remember your first love? And I'm speaking to you, the listening audience. When you first got saved, that passion that have, that passionate love that you had for Jesus Christ, and a love that is to grow more and more every day. When you love Jesus, it shouldn't go less. It should grow more. Can you say that about yourself? Do you love Jesus? Is that love for Jesus growing more and more every day? Or has your love gone cold? Has your love dwindled in any way? Is it become mechanical? Are you just going through the motions? That first love that you had, has it died out? And the scary thing is that Jesus is not talking just to an individual here. He's talking to a church. This is a church that's faithful in the word, a church that didn't grow weary, that exposed false apostles. On the outside, it looked good. But on the inside, that fire was cooling and that didn't please the Lord. Mm. So if we ourselves or if our churches have left the first love, he's going to notice and he's going to tell us, look, I have something against you. How do we leave our first love? Mm. How does that happen? Well, what does our first love look like, firstly? What does it look like? Funny enough, yesterday we were looking at Romans 12 together. And Romans 12 talks about how one of the signs of a Christian is that the Christian is continuing in prayer. When we come to faith, we are running to God in prayer. And when we depart that, when we cease to go to God in prayer, when we think we are self-sufficient mm. those are, that is one way that we depart our first love it's good mm. i do like how you said that what does it look like because i think to every individual christian that might look differently because we're all individuals mm. we're not robots mm. so it's good to know that i think for me my first love might look slightly different than yours especially if like if my emotions are connected to my love I know the way I'm saying it is weird. It's like, oh, who's this love? If if I have that, like, if I'm more of an emotional person, then 
it will be expressed differently than someone who's more laid back. It doesn't mean that it's any less loving. That's actually something that I think is an issue. In It can be an issue in the church world where Christians will judge other Christians based on only outward appearance. Mm-hmm. Like, how come you're not as expressive in your loving as I am? Mm. But what if that person actually loved Jesus more than you did because of just how they're designed? They're not as expressive as, say, someone who's more emotional. Mm. But the idea is it's different from person to person. Okay, how do we leave our first love? Well, I feel like in some cases that even if it's meant well, sometimes leadership has like this misunderstanding and it just causes the passion to die down because there are individuals that feel like, hey, I'm passionate, I'm excited, and I want to be there every time the church is open. And there are people that are just trying to, in in their minds, they're trying to help, but it just kind of dampens that passion that's there. And even Charles Spurgeon, right, where in one of his commentaries on this passage, he mentioned that there are some people when they're first saved, they're so passionate, their desire is to be in church every time the doors are open. But there will be other Christians who come and say, hey, you know, you're going to burn yourself out. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing this all the time. You don't want to be too churched out. You don't want to be burnt out. You got to calm down. And then that just kind of sucks the passion away because rather than say, well, no, I'm, I'm excited for the Lord. I'm doing what I feel he's called me to do, and I, I want to make sure I'm there wh- wherever he is, wherever I can wherever I can be to receive the word, to gather with the body, to pray, to break bread. And there are those external factors sometimes that just kind of suck that out or pull the rug out from under you. So I think that's one way. Okay, so what I got one, we have individuals who start to lose that passion, say prayer is one of those things. You're saying that it could be potentially even church leadership that could that could quench the fire without un, without intentionally doing it. What do you think? How are some ways we can leave our first love? Well, I want to echo what Mick said because that's exactly what I see in my life also, like the self-sufficiency thing where it's like I think I can do everything on my own and I don't need to turn to God. Um, and that was personally what happened to me this year. Um, I think also busyness is one thing where it's like, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. I've got this, I can handle this on my own, but also because I'm busy, I feel tired and I don't want to pray or I don't want to read my Bible or you do it, but your heart's not into it. So it's like you don't have a good disposition, like you're not available even though you're there. So I think it's like a mix of, of things and I know this year was really hard for me and instead of like leaning on to the Lord when I needed him the most, I leaned on my own my own understanding and I think in his grace and through his Holy Spirit he reminded me that I was trying to rely on myself rather than rely on him and so he brought me back he would always bring me back but if I would have just leaned on him I think things would have been a lot easier and smoother and I like how the first thing we read in Jesus's correction to the churches the first thing he brings up is leaving love. Hmm. That's the first thing he notices. Is the love of the church growing or is it declining? Does it shock Christians to know that we can do this? Does it bother Christians to know that we can do this, that individually and as a church, we can leave our first love for the Lord? It's easy to get focused on 
like the ministry aspect of church life and and there's good things like what they're doing was good the the doctrine the, the pointing out error but you can get so focused on one thing and not realize that you get into an area where you become mechanical or it's it's like an orthodoxy without spirit without love and then you you depart you don't realize you've been departing from the lord like that fire that passion actually isn't there as it once was that's very dangerous that's actually something that christians need to be very mindful of and jesus says i have like this i have against you like your love for me is just it's not good when you think about marriages the spouse who starts to lose that love for their uh, like their spouse mm if it's the man for the woman or woman for the man they're going to notice yep you don't love me like you used to and maybe they don't realize that they've it, it started to drift mm. but that's it it's just bit by bit it starts to drift mm. and you don't notice it at first until it's too late and then you're just totally out of love with that person mm. and jesus is saying here like no 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 this is what's going on and if you're not careful it's like well how far can you go mm. and maybe we've seen it individuals that we might have known over our course of our christian walk where at one point they were just so on fire for god they just loved jesus with everything everything was about jesus then you don't see them for a while then you see them again it's like who is this person they're so twisted and, and bitter and upset it's like what happened to that person mm. and of course like life does happen terrible things could have happened to them but if we do not protect our love for Jesus Christ, if we're not fanning that flame every day, mm. we're not, we can't go in neutral, so to speak, in our walk. Mm. Like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just park the car and we'll just stay here for now. And then when I'm ready, we'll go forward. No, no, no. The minute you stop growing in that, you go backwards. Mm. And it will get less and less. Like, love is a, is a funny thing about that. If you don't fan it, it gets less and less. Mm. Yep. And returning to your, your illustration regarding marriage, right? Paul always compares uh, our walk with Christ to a marriage relationship because mm. there is that level of intimacy when you walk with Christ. It's not the same as other religions where, you know, the, the Muslim serves Allah, but they are very clear Allah is not love. Mm -hmm. There is no love relationship between Allah and the Muslim. Mm. There's no love. It is purely servant master. That's it, and mm. and he's taught to, as being fickle. Like he mm. may forgive you, but it's up to him, mm. right? There is that level of intimacy as a Christian, where Christ even said it. You know, I call you friends. Mm. You're my friends. We are his, still his servants. Like, don't forget, we are still his servants. Paul even goes as far as saying we are slaves of God. But there is that level of love and intimacy and friendship that does need to be grown with Christ. And when it comes to that marital comparison, as you said, sometimes the love fades because you miss the forest for the trees, right? You're too busy caught up in the, the little daily tasks. You're too busy caught up in the motions of it. And some people, uh, they, they lose that honeymoon stage where everything is flowery and fuzzy feelings all the time. But that fuzzy feeling goes away that doesn't mean you don't love the person but it does mean that if you don't have that daily maintenance like you said you have to point out hey you know i see that i'm not loving the way i should i see that i'm starting to slow down a bit and just kind of constantly push there it, 
love requires maintenance. It requires attention. Well, realistically, right, when we talk about first love and relationships kind of all in one, when any relationship has a situation in which love sort of decreases, there's always because it's always because something has changed. Whether you stop doing these things to impress uh, the other, or you've stopped doing these things that you know they, they enjoy and like. Well, the thing that we as Christians need to understand is that we serve a God who does not change. Mm-hmm. And so Amen. if change has come anywhere in your relationship with Christ and has dampened your love for Him, mm-hmm. well, then that's on your side. It's not on His. Yep. And so He stays the same. He remains faithful, always uh, fulfilling His promises to you. Well, at the other end, you're the one who's veering away. You're the one who's choosing other things instead. Uh, temptation generally only comes to those who really look out for it when it comes to relationships. Good point, Mac. Also, one thing that I've noticed sometimes in, I guess, marital relationships and sometimes with the Lord is if, for example, you foster bitterness because of something your spouse did, well, that maybe is going to make you want to spend less time with them you know like if there's something that comes in that comes between you what's going to make you more vulnerable and it's going to make you bitter and not want to spend time with that person and you're going to have something against them and so i think even with the lord sometimes where it's like if we're disappointed if something didn't go as we planned we can let something come in and we can be like we may not even notice but we sometimes have to go into that secret place with the Lord and say, hey God, like when did I let this come in? What is it? And please get it out. Like uproot it because this mm-hmm. can't stay here because it's hindering my relationship with mm-hmm. you. So that's what came to mind when you said that, Mick. Mm. Yeah, good point. I'm going to get Mick to read verse 5, please. Thank you. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent all right now jesus doesn't just tell us he's unhappy with something Hmm. and then leave it there that's actually a bit of a problem that happens not just a church problem with people they'll be like i don't like you doing this and they'll leave and it's like there's no conversation or there's no opportunity to change jesus isn't like that he tells us look i'm not happy about this and now he's going to show us how we change and he tells the church at ephesus one, he tells them, look, you need to remember from where you fell, where you got off track, and go and repent. And so there's like, really, there's three things here that I really want to bring out that uh, he shows them. You know, I like that. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Mm-hmm. Repent, repent. We talked about that, repentance. We talked about repentance a lot on this podcast, and we're not afraid to speak repentance. That is really the key. You want you have a problem? There's something wrong with your walk with God? Oh no, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> what does that mean? Tell God I'm doing this and it's wrong. That's repentance. It's not some something you whip yourself with and and it's a terrible thing that you do. No. No, repentance means you're agreeing with God that what you're doing is wrong. And then there's a change. And I know for different people, it might sound differently. Like, I know for me, like, when I'm repenting, like, I'll tell 
the Lord, like what I did was wrong. It was sin. And, and I ask him to forgive me. Like that's also ask him to forgive you. It's important. But hmm. what does he tell them? One, he says, remember your former devotion to Christ. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Remember what you were like in this, if this is, applies to you. By the way, I hope that people are listening to this, aren't beating themselves up and thinking we're telling everyone that everyone has left their first love. That's not what we're, we're implying here. This is something specific to this church, and it may be something specific to a church or to individuals. But if this is you, and you have left your first love, and you're listening to this, and you're coming under conviction... Remember, what was, what was I like before? Or if it's a church, what were we like before? We used to be a praying church. We were a gospel singing church. We were an evangelist church. And we've lost that passion. And bit by bit, we've just reduced it to where it's barely in operation or it's nothing. Okay, remember, what were we like? Remember those former days. And then repent of your lack of love for Jesus, as I just mentioned. Mm. We used to be more loving for Christ. And now I'm not. Lord, I'm sorry, you deserve better. And the third thing, return to the way you were. The first works. That is so vitally important. It's not just tell them, you're right, I'm wrong, and then move on. No, repentance also involves not only confession of sin and then asking for forgiveness and then turning from the sin. Mm. Go back to what you were. Go back to those former days where that passion was there. And the good thing about Jesus Christ is you can start right now. Yep. If you're listening to this and that's you or if that's your church and you repent, you can start right at this moment. You don't need to go to a church and sit and talk to, 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 the, to the priest and, and, then, and then do this and he tells you to do No, you start right now with the Lord. He's, that is how good he is mm. when there's repentance. The first devotion, the first love, go back to it. Well, so I think one of the things that's really cool with verse 5 is that it parallels very closely verse 2 that we've read just before. Right? They were very known for being able to discern what was true and what wasn't. Mm. They were able to do that in others. Well, Christ is calling them saying, listen, remember how you were? That was true. And where you are now? Well, it's not so much. It's very much like um, in one of the Gospels when uh, Jesus talks about, you know, your remove the, uh, about the whole speck in the eye. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? That whole thing is exactly what we're seeing here. These are people who are great at seeing what's wrong in others and what's not true, yet they have an amazingly giant blind spot in that they have a giant log in their eye and they mm. can't see it because they're so focused on making sure that everything is right. They it's have good. completely neglected their own walks and mm. departed their first love. It's good. Yep. Yeah, good point, Mick. I think another thing that's really important and really special about this passage is we don't see with Christ what we see in our earthly relationships where he's unclear of what the problem is or he doesn't mention what the problem is or he tells you what the problem is and doesn't tell you how to fix things doesn't tell you what the proper like what he's expect he is very clear this is what the issue is this is how it affects things this is what you need to do to make it right and mm -hmm. this is what i expect of you mm -hmm. right he says Here's what I have. Here's where I'm taking issue. You've left your love. Your love has grown cold. I expect that you 
go back to that. So repent. He's very clear. He's delicate because remember, he came from a place of encouragement. We, as we saw in the previous studies, he's encouraging them. Hey, you're doing all this well. I'm, I'm so proud of you for what you've done. But in light of that, this needs to change. He's very clear, and he's clear about his expectations and what is needed mm. to fix it. Mm. And I think that's important, and we should take a lesson from that as well. Mm. Now, in this verse, he also gives a warning. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just counsel them. Remember, I have said, there's commendation, there's condemnation, or correction, if you don't like condemnation. And there's counsel, warning, and promise. Now we're getting to the warning. He says at the end of verse 5 that if you don't, okay, says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent, do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Mm. That's a serious warning. If they did not do this, and, and again, he's talking to the church, by the way. He's not talking to an individual. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. If they did not do this, they would remove, he would remove the lampstand. Now, that does not mean that an individual will lose their salvation. I know some people may t- teach that. I don't agree with that, uh, at least on this verse. I know there's differences of opinions around this table on whether or not a believer can, we'll use that term, lose their salvation. I don't want to dive into that now. But I do not believe that this verse right here is Jesus is talking to an individual that you're going to lose your salvation and go mm-hmm. to hell. However, it does mean that God will bring chastisement on this church. Mm. And that means that church will come to an end. Mm. He will remove the candlestick or the lampstand. That church will die off and then will no longer be a church. And I do believe that today the Lord is speaking to churches and is calling them, whether it's through the word or I don't know if there's prophetic giftings, whatever's going on in that church. The Spirit is still speaking to churches, telling them, repent of this, repent of this, repent. And if you don't, I'm going to remove your church. And you see it. You see churches are closing. And I know some people are like, whoa, Greg, don't say that. Well, hold on a second. Why are churches closing? Hmm. Is God in the business of shutting down churches? Like, no, seriously, is that is that his healthy, is that a healthy thing the Lord wants to do? All right, I'm going to raise you up, then I'm going to shut you down. Why would a church be shut down? Like, I'm not asking, I'm like speaking that. Rhetorically. Thank you. No, why is the church being shut down? Well, you see a lot of churches get shut down because the congregation gets really old and everyone dies off. Well, how did the congregation get to that place? And at one point, that congregation would have been a vibrant church. And then all of a sudden, it's no longer a vibrant church. Why? There could be a lot of reasons. I think in some cases, in some, please don't shoot us here, that church stops evangelizing. Hmm. Now, I do also know that there's times people will evangelize and they're not going to see anything come from it and they're still obedient. So I'm not saying that, look, your church isn't growing, you're not evangelizing, you are evangelizing. Again, it's a delicate subject. We don't know. Mm. It could be that you have churches where nobody really was saved to begin with and that this is just one of those churches where at one point it was one of those things. Everyone went to church. Mm. And then as time went on, especially now, now it is not 
within our culture where everyone goes to church. Mm. Not like it was 30 years ago. It's true. Where everyone went to church. It didn't mm. matter what church it was. But if there is a born-again church out there, I don't know if it's evangelical. I don't know if it would be Baptist. I don't know if it would be considered Pentecostal. I don't know what. And that church was a vibrant, gospel-centered, Bible-preaching, praying church. And then things started to decline. That's not the Holy Spirit just one day deciding, I want this church to decline. If that church declined, that's on the church. And the church needs to look into what's going on within their church and maybe listen to some of these warnings. Mm. Well, I think also, if we look, right, the context of these um, letters that um, Jesus is giving to these churches, it says that Jesus is walking uh, in between the lampstands. It means Jesus is in their midst. Yes. Mm. And so some of these churches that have no one saved and no one's been saved there or born again there for years and years and years, perhaps their lampstand has been removed for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, I agree with right? that. Yeah. yeah. And so, and even if you look at the map of those seven churches, it's kind of funny as they're parallel to one another. Like Jesus is literally in between them mm. and just there. And so there's this great, there's this great picture for us to understand that not only can we be uh, uh, out of Christ's will, well, Christ can remove us um, from that position of of, of that of public ministry. Mm. You know, both for uh, churches and individuals. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's a good point. I want to say this very, very clearly. I do believe that the Lord is speaking this to churches today. Mm. Yeah. If you are in church leadership, if you are a pastor, you need to hear these, heed these warnings. Do not think that somehow in the 21st century that we are all of a sudden immune from the warnings of Scripture. We are not. And actually, more than ever, I think we need to heed them. And if we heeded them, I honestly believe we would see an awakening in the church. Okay, I don't know what that would look like. I'm not speaking prophetically. I, I, at the least, it would be an awakening back to the Word of God. But if you are not listening to these things, if your church, if you feel, you know what, my church has lost its first love, but you feel like you don't need to do anything about it, do not think that your church is going to be around forever. The Lord will remove that candlestick. The Lord will turn off that lapse then, mm-hmm. and that church will eventually close. So I do not want to, I, to scare people, Look, return to him. Get passionate for him. Individuals, brothers and sisters, you're listening, get get on fire for Jesus. Mm. Churches, if you're listening, get back to that first love. Get back to that first love. Um, so I think with this, some people might be beating themselves up. So I just want to remind everyone listening that if you repent, there's no reason to feel condemnation afterwards. You're forgiven, and Jesus is going to welcome you with open arms. He's just asking you to come back to him because he wants you to come back. He loves you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just want everyone listening to remember that he loves you and he cares for you. That's what he wants what's best. Yeah, he does. He loves you very much, and he loves his church. Mm -hmm. That's why he warns his church. If he didn't Mm -hmm. care, he wouldn't warn them. Just go do what you want. Mm -hmm. He's not like that. So we're going to land the fancy file plane there. 
hit the runway hard, but at least we landed. Uh, <laughs> I am your host, Greg the Scott. Thank you for listening. I have with me today the mar- marvelous Mighty Mitt. Thank you for having me. Ezra. Always a pleasure. I call him Ezra. <laughs> Melanie. Bye. Take care and God bless.